Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're with uh, Scott Smolin with Remax Leading Edge. Uh, he has a little over 20 years of buying and uh, selling real estate and helping people get into their dream homes. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Gary. How are you doing? Good to be here. Good. Good. So what, what made you start your career in, uh, in real estate? Well, I got started in 1999. Um, at the time, I had been running a landscaping company. I started that when I was in high school. So that was I graduated high school in 93. Now I'm dating myself, but I graduated high school in 93. Um, I started that company and about, you know, I actually started probably a little bit before, maybe middle school. And I ran that up through the time I was in college um, after I graduated, came back, had that grown up pretty, pretty big, uh, you know, as far as number of employees and stuff, I had about 20 people working for me, uh, multiple crews. And, uh, and at the time I, I just was looking to make a change and, um, I, it had gotten to be very stressful. The seasonal aspect of the, of the real estate, of the landscaping business had gotten to be very stressful for me. Like in the spring, I was constantly working, you know, 80 hour, 90 hour weeks all the time. And in the winter, you're, you're scraping to get by. And I wanted to make a change. One of my teachers in high school at the time was an accounting professor. And uh, he had, he was also a real estate agent. And uh, when we had talked, he said, uh, you know, if you ever get your real estate license, he was a, a client as well for my landscaping company. He said, come and talk to me. He said, I'm looking to get out of the business. And I, I'm, I, you know, as older at the end of a 30 something year career. And he's like, I, I'm looking to get out and, I, and I'm looking for somebody to maybe help me for the last number of years of my career. So that's how I got started in it. And I started part time uh, while I was running my other business. And then after about six months to a year, I decided to sell my landscaping company, went full time into real estate. It was too hard to balance both. And I, I really enjoy real estate. And um, it was it was what I was looking for. And at the time it made sense. So I sold the other business, uh, had a little bit of capital. So I, uh, you know, was able to invest in myself to get started out of the gate, worked for him for two and a half years. And then um, as basically a, a, you know, an apprenticeship partnership, and then I went on my own. I believe that was, if I go back in about 2002 is when I went on my own. And, uh, you know, I've been with Remax the whole time from day one. And, uh, you know, that, that's how I got started. And it, it's, it's been a good, it's been a good journey. What, what is it about real estate um, that, that, you know, uh, really lights your fire and kind of gets you, gets you excited in the morning? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one is when I was looking for a change from, uh, from landscaping, if you go back, I'm an outdoor person. I like to, I like to be around. I, I'm not somebody who sits in an office for 10 hours a day. It's not, it's not in my nature. I like to move around. I like different things. Um, so that that's number one. In, in real estate, we do the same processes, but it's always a different. It's always a little bit different. So it's exciting. Um, and, and two is the you know really the when the other thing I was looking at at the time when I was going through the landscape was was computers. I, I had taken some classes in Microsoft Certified Professional, do, did some things of that nature, and I realized that, that I enjoyed that, but I didn't enjoy. I what I didn't like from that aspect is I didn't have the human interaction, and so being able to be out, meet with different families, help them find what their their needs are and uh, see them either uh, finding the home of their dreams or selling a home and getting onto their next home or, and, or helping them in all different situations. I find that to be um, something that I enjoy. Um, some, some, you know, transactions are better than others. Obviously, sometimes we're selling homes that are for estate sales and things that might not be 
as you know, rewarding. You still, have, I understand that people have to get them sold, and we want to do that and, and make that happen. But that's not as pleasant as you know, an experience for them as maybe that first time buyer, you know, going from a rental to their first home. So it, it, it's helping people find what they like and, and being part of that process. I find that to be uh, very rewarding and, um, and, 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 and then not doing the same thing every day. You know, we, we, we do different things. We have basic procedures, but it's always, a, it's always a little bit different and it keeps it fresh. So, you know, in, in helping people, you know, buy and sell real estate, what are some of the questions that they should be asking you that they, that they don't really seem to ask you that you have to educate them on? Well, we have to look at it from two different, two different perspectives. So, you know, one is if you're selling and one is if you're buying. So if we take, if we take selling first, I think, I think the first thing that happens often is I get a lot of inquiries about people that say, you know, I'm thinking about selling my current house and I'm, I, I want to buy uh, something else. I'm going to relocate out of the area. I want to move up. I want to move down, whatever. The, a lot of times the first, the first step in the process is finding out what your current house is worth and, and what you can expect to get out of that property as far as equity and, and what type of cash you're dealing with before you go too far in the process to make sure you're in a comfortable place. Uh, and then, and the other thing is, is when you're getting ready and, and, and this is a, I, I think most people, it's a 50, 50, I wouldn't say most or less. Uh, they, they sometimes wait a little bit longer to reach out than what they should because they feel like I only need to call the, they only need to call a realtor. They only need to call me when they're actually ready to put their house on the market where I actually prefer to be involved a little earlier in the process so that I can help them. So, so they'll come in. I've had people before say, I've got my house all ready to go. I've done all this work. And then you go out and look at it and you're like, well, yes, you've done a lot of work, but this is probably some of these things you've done might not return as well when you sell as opposed to if you engage us earlier where I could come out maybe three months, six months before you're selling and then get an assessment of the house and say, okay, here's where I think these are the, they usually have a list of things they want to do. And I said, well, this is what I think, you know, you're going to get the best return on when you sell. And so I, I think one of the mistakes that maybe people when they sell is maybe not uh, reaching out soon enough. And, and, and I understand their apprehension. They feel like, well, you know, some folks will be like, well, I, I don't really need to sell yet. So I didn't want to bother you, but they're never bothering us. It, it, you know, I look at myself more of a, of a consulting role as opposed to, a, you know, a transactional nature of just selling a house. I, I value the relationship more than I value the transaction. So if we can if we can do a better job helping um, sellers get ready to sell earlier, then it makes the process smoother when they actually get the house on the market. It sells quicker for more money, and then then the whole experience is better. And sometimes spending a little bit of time up front, even two three months getting ready, will make that sale much easier for them in the long run. Less stress, more of a pleasant experience, and and that's what we'd like to do. So as, as far as selling, I would say the the biggest thing is to reach out even six months before, if you can. Now that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people get a, uh, a notification from the job. They have to be in Tennessee in six weeks. Right. And if that happens, we understand that too. But in a perfect world, if you have more time, that's what I would say is the biggest, um, the biggest thing for buying. I think uh, a lot of, a lot of times folks will come out and, and they, they, they're not sure when they're getting started um, how the process works with the lending piece. And, you know, should they talk to a lender first? Should they talk to, should they talk to a realtor first? I don't mind at all talking to a buyer, being the first person to contact and maybe help them with their options with lending and give them a little bit of direction in that too. Because if you're buying your first house or maybe you're buying your second house and you're trying to line things up, it's a little bit different process. So I think, I think having some options to be able to reach out and, and earlier for a buyer makes that process easier too, so that we can answer some of the questions they may have. Like, how much do I need for a down payment? I had, I had some clients a year ago who I had helped buy their first house who thought they wanted, you know, they wanted to move up and, and they'd been in that other house, maybe seven, eight years. And uh, he kept saying, I'm saving, I'm saving. And I said, well, you know, what, 
what's your goal? And he's like, well, I need to have 20% down or I'm not going to be able to move. And he had 800 credit scores. And I said, we can get you in an 80-10-10 loan and you can move sooner than you think and you won't have PMI. And that's what he was trying to do. 80-10-10 is an 80% first, 10% second, 10% down payment. And, he, and, and my client had no idea that was available. He was just struggling to save 20%. And he said, so I can move three years ahead of schedule because his family had grown and he was really outgrown his house. And him and his wife, they were really busting at the seams. And he's like, and then we looked at the, He goes, well, how, how's that payment going to be? We looked at the payment. He's like, this is less than what I anticipated. And we were able to make that whole transaction happen probably three years prior to what he thought he could do just by asking the question. So it, it's good to reach out, ask, see what the options are. Um, I've had people before that'll call up and say, you know, I, I, I've had a problem. I had to do a short sale in a, a couple of years ago. I had this, I'm not sure I can buy for seven. Well, sometimes that's not the case. You know, we have to look at, at the whole circumstances. And then if there is an issue that we can work through, it's better to get some direction as opposed to just blindly going at it and then being down the road and saying, okay, now I'm ready. And then you find out you made a mistake and you're two years still away or something along those lines. So the best thing is to, to, re to reach out and talk earlier. And it's never a problem. We certainly don't mind doing it all. We enjoy it. Uh, when I say we, I say myself and Stacy, who's been with me 17 years as my assistant, we, we're happy to do that. We're happy to reach out, you know, say, okay, well, this is where we are. We're thinking about doing this. And sometimes they'll, they'll say, well, we're thinking about selling, but when we look at it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but now we're going to refinance. Well, then maybe I can help them with that and point them in the right direction for a good local lender or give them some comps that'll help them with their value so that they can get a better rate, you know, so they can get rid of PMI on their current house or something like that. We're, we're happy to do anything. It's just the sooner we can be involved, I think the more effective we can be helping. Right. So, I mean, you know, and that's many times the, you know, going back to what you're just saying is, is that you're educating people. And it seems like, you know, I know with, you know, with my business, we do the same thing. We try to educate people on what's going, what's going on um, to help them make the right decisions. Um, what are some of the biggest fears that you are, are seeing your clients have and what do you do to help help them overcome those fears? Well, it depends. I mean, I, I think when, when we were, since we're, since we're doing this in, you know, June of 2020, a lot of the fears that we, we had are different than what they were June of 2019. Um, and that, that we're dealing with the COVID and all the things that went along with that. Uh, I would say that at this time, uh, sellers in general, uh, some of their fears over the apprehension of letting people in their house when they needed to sell their home when we're dealing with what we were told to be a, a contagious virus that could transfer via surfaces and things of that nature. So one of the things that we did in order to help overcome some of those is we had some stuff we would do is put together packages where we would have things that people could cover their shoes, gloves, if they needed them. Uh, uh, what do you call uh, the uh, disinfectants, uh, you know, th things that, that we could put in the home to make it easier, disinfectant wipes, um, sprays, so that they would be more comfortable selling their house and letting people in and out of their home. Um, and the same for buyers. And, you know, you know, we, I, we have folks that would come out and say, I want to go out and look at houses or I need to go out and look at houses. People transferring because of uh, job, job transfers into the area. And they were happening because it didn't matter what was going on with COVID. So they were going into other people's homes. They were a bit apprehensive. How do we go about doing it in a safe manner? So that was, that was something that we dealt with that we wouldn't have been dealing with a year ago. In a, in a normal market before all that happened, some of the fears that people would have would be, would be different things along the lines of, can I get approved for the loan that I want? Am I going to, you know, is the, is, are the interest rates going to stay stable? Do I have to do this now? Or what if I wait six months? What, what's going to happen? Am I going to still be able to afford this? Um, you know, I, I need to buy a new car and I was told not to do that before I buy a house, but my car's falling apart. How can we handle that? 
Well, there's ways we can get around those things. I mean, one of the ways that, that we've done is I've, I've had folks that have had a car that they, they literally need to replace, but the loan officer said you can't take on a car payment right now, you know, because of their situation. Well, one of the options that you can do that, that, that would allow you to be able to have a car that's more dependable or whatever is you could rent something. You could lease a car like from a rental company like Hertz or Enterprise or something for a month to month basis to get you through the time that you close your house and then buy your car. But, you know, there's, there's things like that without having to mess up your, your ratio so that you can't buy the house you want to buy. So there's, there's ways around it, it that, that we can do that, that will make this, the process work smoother. Uh, but some, the best thing I've always found is it's easier if you communicate what the problem is. And then sometimes what a client might think is a major problem really isn't a big deal. And we can put them at ease pretty simple, you know, much more simple than what they expected. And they're, they're, they're worried about something and they're giving themselves a lot of anxiety over something that's really not that hard for us to address and, and overcome. Right. So, I mean, a lot of the things that, that you just talked about are, um, you know, reasons why somebody should use, you know, someone like you, a real estate professional, uh, to help them buy or sell their home. Um, what are what are some other things that, um, you know, using a, a real estate professional like yourself, uh, would you say that people need um, that instead of trying to do something on their own? Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of parts to the process. Uh, if we go back to selling a house, I mean, it comes down to one, preparing it, two, then you get it on the market. So then you have marketing that goes into it. So like you you know, and, 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 you know, there, there's, there's a big difference between saying I'm going to put it on the internet and then putting it in the right spots and marketing the right way to get the most eyes on it, cast the biggest net, get your house sold for the most amount of money in the fastest, most efficient way possible. And um, so that's, you know, that's what we do. Uh, 20 and 20 plus years, the, mar the entire business has changed quite a bit. It's evolved a ton. And over that time, one of the things that I do as, as to stay on top of that is, is consistently, I'm, I'm going to conventions, I'm going to seminars, I, you know, it's consistently um, learning new things and staying on top of the game on what's changing and, and what, what's benefiting people, not just from this area. I found that if, if I just focus on what's going on around here, then we tend to be in our own little bubble and, you know, it's like being in a fishbowl and we only see what's happening here. So I find it to be more efficient to be at national things where I might be out at a national conference where somebody in California is doing something quite a bit different than we were doing it in Maryland and it's very innovative or somebody from Florida or somebody in a different market where we bring that here and then we, we're ahead of the curve and maybe being in, we can put them in a position to have a more successful transaction. Um, and then once the house is marketed and we get, a, we get an offer, then there's more to it than that. If we take every offer on its face just for what the, the value of the contract says, sometimes people make a decision and say, oh, this is a great offer, but they don't realize that it's not a viable offer. Maybe that maybe that person making the the offer doesn't has issues with their with their lending piece, or maybe they have a house they have to sell. Maybe they have a problem with um, something where their their house that has to sell that they that they have on the market is way is completely overpriced. I had that happen a year and a half ago with a, a lady who got a beautiful offer on a, on her home, and um, she said, "Boy, this is great. I should take this." And I said, "Well, before we do that, let let me tell you the you know the pros and the cons." And we we talked about it. I don't make decisions, but I give advice. And I said, here's the problem with this offer. I said, these folks are trying to sell their current house. They have it listed for sale. I said, and I believe that, you know, the house based on paper looks like it's overpriced. I'm going to go by and take a look at it. It was close enough in the area I could do that. And when I went by and looked at it, I said, they're, they're, they're grossly overpriced. They're not going to sell their house. So it's contingent upon them selling their house to give you, to give them, you their, the price on your home but their home I don't believe is priced properly. So you're going to get stuck. You're going to lose control of selling your house. So she agreed to decline the offer. And we, what we said was, if you get your house under contract, we'd consider it.
but until that happens, um, we don't want to do that. So a week or two later, we get another offer comes in on our house, slightly lower, maybe a percent or two lower than what the other, the previous offer, uh, the previous offer had been for, but it was much more solid. It was a non-contingent buyer could settle in a reasonable timetable. And, and I said, I know this doesn't look like as much money on paper, but this is a much more solid deal. And she signed it and we got to settlement. Everything went smooth. Ironically, the day of settlement, I, I went in, I just happened to pull, I was just going through the computer. I looked up and I just wanted to see out of curiosity if, if the other house on the previous person ever sold. And I, I brought it in that day and I said, see, this house was withdrawn without ever selling. And it never sold. And it had been the day of settlement. It had gone the entire time we were not only listed, we were under contract and we settled with a non-contingent. But the first offer that looked like it was more money was a pie in the sky situation because they never sold their house and the people ended up staying in their home. So we would have wasted three months or month, two and a half months waiting for somebody to, to do something that wasn't going to happen. And, and her, and, and not, not, and not to the fault of the seller, but her initial inclination was this looks good, but from a professional and, and from experience, there's more to it than just the numbers. And, and so emotionally, anytime that, um, anytime somebody's selling a house, it's an emotional experience to begin with. And I, I found that, um, you know, everybody's the king of their own castle and wants to get as much money as they can for their home. And that's a natural thing. And we want to do that. But, but we want to make sure that, that that offer is a realistic number and that we do actually deliver on the offer that's made as opposed to something that just looks good that never happens because it's not a gain or a loss until it's realized until you actually settle. Right. So with all your years of experience, what do you wish that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? I, I think the biggest thing um, that I wish I, I knew now, uh, well, let's see. Overall, I, I think the foundation of my business has been from day one. It's always been to put my customers' needs and, and goals first. And I think that's been good. And I would never change that for the world. That, 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 that's the way I, I just believe that's the way it should be. And I always believe quality is better than quantity. I've always believed that as well. Uh, people pay $150 to go to Disney World for a day when you can go to uh, you know, amusement parks that are significantly cheaper, but they pay because of the quality of the park. So I, I believe that's the number one thing. Uh, to, what I would learn differently... I, I think one of the things that I learned during the time of the economic uh, downturn in like 2008, when the recession hit, mm -hmm. was um, making sure that for advertising purposes, to stay out of long-term contracts with things. Because when the, when the market really went down, I was stuck in some contracts that, that were longer-term deals that made it, um, that made it you know, increase my overhead, and they were not returning uh, on the investment properly, so that I was, where I was tying up money in certain places where it wasn't returning in getting houses sold and helping people sell their houses. So that, that's the biggest thing I've learned is to try to be more nimble and, uh, and, and in, in a position where when things happen, like for instance, when COVID just hit and a lot of folks were, a lot of realtors were really just completely paralyzed by fear, number one, they didn't know what to do. But number two is they, they didn't know how to adapt. So it's, it, it's, it's to be nimble, be able to adapt. And um, so what we try to do is, is stay on top of the latest technology and things of that nature. And we're trying to, always we want to be comfortable in our business and do things right but we always want to go out of our comfort zone in advance of needing to you know what i mean so what so what happens is so when when something like COVID hit it wasn't like oh my gosh how are we going to get to our files how are we going to do this we had already put everything in the cloud we were already mobile we were already able to get to all these things and that made it easier so those are things that I, that i learned in the business originally when i was first coming up we weren't able to do that. I remember back in the early 2000s trying to build my own servers that I could access from home and do different things of that nature because the cloud didn't exist. So we were on trying to do it, but it wasn't really there. So I, I believe that the biggest thing is, is to embrace technology 
and to um, and to always be willing to change even when it's not comfortable. So, you know, over your years, you've worked with a wide uh, variety of, of people and issues and, and economy and market and so forth. Um, what is one of the most important things that, that you have learned um, besides the, the being nimble part and things like that um, in, in dealing with people? What's I think, kind of I think dealing with people, the biggest, the biggest thing you learn is that, that you need to ask questions. You need, you, you need a, a lot of times people will not be as upfront with things because they might be uh, concerned or they, they, they might be embarrassed about something, they might not understand. But, but I, I think the reason is, is you have to find out what is, what is driving them, what, what do they want. And um, the more you know about the background of what they're looking for, I think the better and more effective I can be in helping them achieve their goals. And I think, you know, I, I think it's, it's not much different than if you were going to court and you were consulting with your lawyer, the first thing you tell a lawyer is you, you, you tell a lawyer everything. You don't want them to be blindsided by something because then they can't fix the problem. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in real estate. Now we don't have attorney client privilege. I keep everything private, but I don't have that same privilege that like an attorney has. However, I, I you know I found before that, you know, I've had, I've had folks that are selling their home and, and they say, you know, we, we want to sell and but we don't really want our, our neighbors to know that we're doing that right now. So we don't really want to sign in front of our house or, and then you have to explain to them, well, you know, we can do that. And that's certainly not a problem, but it will be on the internet. They will see, you know, there's a possibility this will happen so that they understand what, what, what's going on. And they're not blindsided by something going, Oh, I, my neighbor called me and said, they saw it. How did they find it? Well, they're going to see it. So there, those are the type of things that sometimes there's some privacy issues. Um, I know that, that, that that's something that I, I believe is the most apprehensive thing for people is, is that they don't, they don't want their, the world to know their business. And I respect that because I, I, I wouldn't either. And, and so we, we try to keep everything private and we try to make sure that they're in a position that, that they're comfortable. So by asking a lot of questions, you can figure out what's, what's really making them tick and what's really making it go and then make sure that we you know, put a square peg in a square hole. So uh, who, who's your ideal client? Well, my, my, my ideal client would be, well, the ones I, you know, now being 21 years in the business, my ideal client, a lot of is the repeat, the, my repeat clients, because I have the relationships with them. And I, and, and I enjoy um, this in, in January this year, I had a client who came to me who, who literally helped, I helped her buy her first house when, when I was probably six months in the, man, maybe six months, eight months in the business. And she went through a divorce and I helped her, you know, I helped her her and her ex-husband sell that house. I helped him find another house. And then I just helped her buy another house. Well, I, that's a great client in, in that not only is it somebody that um, is obviously, you know, a lot of transactions over the course of 20 years, but, but it's, it's the fact that, that we have a, a lot to talk about. I, I enjoy, I enjoy seeing somebody in a position where, where I've watched their kids grow up and they, they've known that for instance, Kimberly, my oldest, my daughter, who's my oldest was just born when I got into real estate. So they're like, well, I remember when she was, two or three months old and now she's just graduated college, you know, so, so there's, there's more to it than it's, it's beyond real estate. So those, those are my ideal clients as, as people that I've done business with in the past or their friends and family. Um, as far as what, um, you know, what we're looking for, uh, you know, we always want to make sure that the root of the tree is growing. So it's not just repeat business. We do a, a, tr a tremendous amount, probably 80, 85% of our business is friends and referrals. Uh, but we're, but we still market to get into the areas and sell houses because, over time, we're in a trans we're in a transient area in, the, in this Washington D.C., Baltimore, Annapolis market. So a lot of folks they come in and they they're here for three or four years and then they may move they may move to Hawaii and they never come back. Um, so so 
we're not saying we're going to replace them and they're not around, but they, even if I wanted to have a relationship or even if they want to sell another house, it's not feasible because they're in another state or they're in another area. Although I, I can tell you, I get a lot of referrals from people that have, that have done that too, that they might be in Hawaii and they, then, and I'll get a call from somebody saying, hey, I just talked to somebody, I'm moving into DC and, and they, they said they had really good experience with you. And, and I uh, wanted to get in touch with you. So that, so that, that's, that's always our best as our, as our repeat referral business. But at the same token, we want to make sure that we're always available for the area that, that um, and to continue to grow our new business so that the, uh, the roots of the tree don't, don't dry up. So uh, obviously your repeat customers and referrals and stuff know how to get, a, how to get a hold of you. But what about somebody who doesn't know you or hasn't been referred? How, how is it that they, that they get in touch with you to be able to uh, uh, get your help? Well, a lot, a lot of folks, um, we, we, we have a, a pretty big social media presence and uh, we do a lot of advertising that way as, as well as our website and, and, and things of that nature in order to drive more business. Um, what we have found is that we have like a, a, a multi, it's a multifaceted internet presence. One is when we use the big, the big consumer sites like realtor.com and Zillow and, and truly and sites like that, they're, they're more of a national basis. And then we also use sites like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we focus more on the, the local population. So, so like, for instance, if somebody's thinking about selling their house and they live in Bowie, Crofton, Odenton, they're probably, if they flip on, if they're on Facebook and they flip on their feed, they're probably going to see an ad from us sooner or later because we're targeting those areas and we're keeping, we're keeping a presence there all the time. Um, so that's usually, that's usually a, a way that I, I find a lot of new customers will come in that way. Uh, with real estate agents, uh, obviously going to see our signs in yards. Uh, we, we, we do direct mailing. Um, we do different things along those lines to try to, to try to make sure that our name's out in front of people. Um, I, I have ads on the shopping carts at Safeway that people see when they go to, and, and, and I've, I've been on that for probably 10, 12 years. How many transactions? You've got? I don't know exactly how many transactions that generates, but it keeps my name in front of people. So what my goal is always to, to be the first person they think about when they're going to buy or sell in this area. Okay. So for our, for our listeners that are listening to the podcast now, if they, if they like what they've, they've heard and they really want to talk to you, how can they reach you? I think the best place to start is probably my website, which is www.scottsmolen.com, S-C-O-T-T-S-M-O-L-E-N.com, or my cell number, which is 301-651-1261. Either of those are are great places to go. Um, My website has all my contact information, so that's probably the best place. They can send an email, send a text, call, um, whatever works best for them. Uh, I I know that in our area, uh, several of our clients, my clients will be – they work in skiffs during the day, so they might not have access to phones or, you know, they, they have email, but they have to leave their phones in their cars. So we, we're adaptable. It depends, on, it depends on their situation. I know a lot of folks prefer to communicate via text and email. Other people are telephone people. Other people like to video chat. We can do it all. We can meet in person. Uh, that's one thing that we're fortunate in that being in, in early June now that they, we're able to meet people, you know, the, even with the COVID, we can meet them at our office. I was meeting clients over here over the weekend. And, uh, and, and what they wanted to do is come in and meet, they're looking to buy a house and, and they felt it would be better to sit down and face to face. I was happy to do that. I'm happy to do it. Sometimes it's not possible. Um, last year I sold a house for a gentleman who lived in Australia. So it wasn't really feasible that we sat down and, and met. I had another person that was in Germany, never met him face to face, did everything via video chat. And so it depends on, it depends on the circumstances, but what we have options for everything. Um, I find that usually going to the website is probably the best place to, uh, to, to get some information and to reach out. Okay. What, uh, what would you like to share with our listeners that I haven't asked you? Oh, in general. Um, I think, I, I mean, 
I think one of the things that we, that we see is, is in the market right now, like where we are, is there was uncertainty. There still is some uncertainty, but a, cu- a couple months ago, it was very uncertain. And, and you know, when, you look, when you're looking at real estate, it's a long-term investment. So, so there's al- it's always a good time to buy real estate if you're going to be there for, for a number of years. It's always a good time to, to do that. It's a, it's a safe investment. It's a, it's a home, especially if you're, you know, it's where you're going to live and it's, it's worth doing um, no matter what the circumstances are around us at the time. And sometimes uh, things that are, that are adversarial to the general economy, or you might think it is, can be very beneficial to real estate. And uh, to give you an example of that is I remember when I first was in the business, not that long in the business, it wasn't too much after that 9-11 hit. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I've sold my landscaping company. 9-11 just hit, the real estate market's going to collapse. I, sh- I should go back and buy a lawnmower and start cutting grass again. I had no idea what was going to happen. And, and literally, there was some uncertainty there, but we kept working. And, and if you go back and look at the thing, that was probably one of the biggest run-ups in the history of real estate right after 9-11. So what, what drives it is sometimes it's good to swim against the fish. And, and what I mean by that is if there is some uncertainty, but you're in a position in this area where a lot of folks are, that they, they may be government employees or, or their, their stable income or it's a great time to buy. And, uh, and if you're, if you're thinking about, Oh, I'm going to sell and um, I'm thinking about retiring to let's say Florida or somewhere like that. This could be an ideal time in that we're, we're in a good market, healthy market up here to sell, but you might be able to go to a state like Florida or, or Vegas where my brothers live and, 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 and grab a deal there because of the fact that their economies might not be as strong and they normally aren't during rough times that we are in this area. People would say we're recession proof in DC. I, I, I think we're, I tend to believe we're more recession resistant. I don't think we're recession proof, but I, I do know that in this market, we tend to be more viable all the time than a lot of the parts of the country. So if somebody's sitting on the fence going, well, I was thinking about retiring to Myrtle beach and you know, I, I'm about a year away from when I wanted to do that. But, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe you want to look at moving that up right now because, because the opportunity might be there. If you look down there that maybe that market's a little softer and you can sell at a hotter market, which we're in right now and take advantage of that and cash out with a little more equity and maybe get a better deal on the other end. And the fact that the interest rates are so great right now too. So, so I think those are all factors that are part of it. Um, We are very fortunate in that our, the federal government is our bigger, biggest employee here, biggest employer. So that being said, we're not subject in this area to the, ebbs and flows of maybe a town like Detroit was when the auto industry had problems or a, t- a town like, you know, let's say we're Florida where you've got Disney world still closed right now. How many employees are out of work or, you know, a town like Las Vegas when they were shut down for 75 days on the strip where how many people were out of jobs? We didn't have that happen here. Now, certainly people lost jobs, but we're stable. So, and we have a lot of, it's, it, it, it's right near everything. You know, we, we can, there's opportunity here all the time to, for, if you're in a job and you want to change, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of employers here. We have Amazon relocating into Northern Virginia now with a, with a lot of expansion. Um, that That's also helping the market in this area. So there's, there's just, it's, a, it's a safe area. It's a, it's a good area to, to, um, to invest in. Uh, and if you're looking to do real estate and you're going to be somewhere for a while, it's, 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 always, it's always a good opportunity. If you're looking to get into real estate saying, hey, I'm going to be somewhere for two years and I know I'm going to leave, probably better to rent at that point. You know, you give yourself the, the ability to be flexible. But if you're going to be somewhere, you know, you're going to be three, four, five years, six years, 
you know, take advantage of it. And uh, in the long run, I think you, you always end up coming out on top. Scott, I would like to uh, you know, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining us on our podcast. Uh, this has been uh, Scott Smolin with uh, Remax Leading Edge. Thank you. My pleasure, Gary. Thank you for having me. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.